Welcome in to another edition of the Tapping the Keg podcast episode. Ooh. There he is. 408. Mitch on the other side of the Zoom. Charlotte here with you. Um, Mitch, how you doing, bud? What's up? Odd for us, kicking off the week. Yeah, I mean, just seemed to seem to make the most sense to me with the, the bracket coming out um, for the first time in two years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously we, we, we had the reverse podcast jinx with the Aaron Jones contract. Hell yeah. That helps us out as well. Hell yeah. And that buries the Bucks to, to third, <laughs> who, who, are, who are starting to get, who are starting to roll a little bit. So we got a loaded show. Yeah, for sure. I, I love, I love, I love that. No, I love the rundown to start. Like that was what I was going to do. And the earlier, the better. So the people know what's the podcast. I, uh, I sweated out about 90% of our, our Saturday night on the bike this afternoon. I felt like I could probably taste the, the tequila again. Um, because I'll, let me tell you, I was banged up today. I was not good. Um, I don't know if it was the daylight savings time. Yeah, there was no, I don't know if it was the, uh, just the multiple tequila shots that kept being fed to me or, or what, but I was not, it's not in a good spot, uh, for most of today. Yeah. There was one or two, too many of those Yeah, probably yeah. But, yeah, to say the least. No, I mean, okay. losing an hour of sleep is, is not, not great. No, no. And but. I think I kind of hate, like everybody talks about like, Oh, daylight savings time. Like, we should, why do we even have it? And like, I know that they've made like a bill now and like the Senate at, or talking at a federal level about it. I just don't, I don't give a fuck. It's like, it throws me off for like a week. And then once that right. week like is over, I'm fine. And so like, it, it, this is a brutal week for sleep, but your boy has off on Friday. Like most good Americans should, I know you can't, but there are, I mean, if you can take off Friday, this is the most no brainer, like day off I've ever seen it's you know just take it off especially now for if you're a Badger fan the Badgers will be playing on on Friday now we don't have the times and TV stuff yet um I am gonna assume because Carolina and Wisconsin both big programs they're probably gonna try to have that game at night um it just feels like a good night game to me uh but yeah if the Badgers are playing during the day, it's it makes it even more of a no-brainer. So we'll uh, we'll kind of get into the bracket, but before we do, I just want to remind everybody we have a bracket pool, Snow Tap WI Madness, uh, cash prizes to the top three. I will have a link um, in the podcast uh, tweet and Facebook post, as well as it'll be probably pinned to the top of our uh, top of my Twitter account that you can enter. I'll probably hype it up a few times throughout the throughout the week, and hopefully, hopefully, you guys are all all entering. Yeah, I look forward to bringing it home. Hey, man, you're you're, uh, you're on that Illinois bandwagon. So we'll go through. We'll talk about the Badgers first. We'll talk about their matchup. The how the hell did we lose to Marquette Bowl? I think Joe McCann, who's a Marquette <laughs> podcaster, had that, um, at, which I loved. And we'll talk through I that, that and good. then. And then we'll kind of go through the regions, just sort of our first takes, our first gut reactions as we sort of saw everything unfold, help you guys out. Because I think there are a lot of people who listen to this and they might not have watched a ton of college basketball this year. They might have kind of 
been in and out. I think you and I both have watched a good amount and not to say we're experts in any way, shape or form, but I, I feel like I have a pretty good feel of this tournament more than other years. And I don't know if that's just because I've been watching it, gambling, whatever. I just feel better about this tournament than I have in a long time. Yeah. I mean, that's true, but uh, cause I feel like I've, I've watched more probably college basketball than I have in the last couple of years myself. Um, at the same time, like just kind of a general thought, it's like, um, I don't really know what to expect with this tournament because oh, it's yeah. just, you have, you have replacement teams on speed dial, um, which is, you know, probably never going to happen again, nope. you know, which is weird because it's like, what if, what if a one seed goes down? I mean, that's just going to be yeah. due to COVID or something. That's, that's just going to be catastrophic. Now it sounds like they were saying on the selection show, it sounds like that they they'll, they'll, you know, ramp up the COVID protocols even harder. Yeah, and it's make pretty crazy. Sure that these games go off without a hitch. It's pretty crazy. We we, we talk all um, about. It's pretty close to a bubble. I mean, it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, we talk all about mental health and and everything like that, and it it doesn't really seem mentally healthy. Um, with kind of some of the stuff they're doing. I mean, it's fine, whatever. But I think you're gonna hear that. Yeah, it's gonna take a lot of mental fortitude from these guys. I think it won't be a problem once they're in Indianapolis. And that was what we saw with the NBA bubble. It is the exact same scenario. I think you'll have some doom and gloom people freaking out. Kansas and Virginia are weirdly in the same bracket. Both have COVID issues, but it does also sound like they're going to be able to say, all right, one person had it. We can figure out a way to like not bring those people along. And just as long as we have five people, we're going to be able to play. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, but yeah, teams waiting by speed dial. It's, it's crazy. I don't know what, how I would feel as a fan of one of those teams. Like it, do you even want to get in? Do you just rather go to the NIT? Would you rather just stop playing basketball? It has to be just a bizarre feeling to like be a Louisville fan right now. And especially because you're like, God, how far, how the mighty have fallen a little bit, you know, Louisville doesn't do down years. And I kind of thought they got screwed. Um, but we will uh, we'll not start with Louisville. We'll start with the Wisconsin Badgers because there are a lot of you who are Badger fans that listen to the show. And I think predictably the Badgers got a nine seed. And I, I had sort of said on the podcast, one of my podcasts last week where I was like, look, you got to beat Iowa because if you at least beat Iowa, maybe you can get past the, the eight or nine game because, because of the two big 10 teams likely getting one seeds, that means you either have to face Baylor or Gonzaga in the first, second round. And I mean, Bay- Gonzaga is like otherworldly. I am so high on Gonzaga. Baylor, I mean, I think Wisconsin could have a shot just because Baylor plays his own and Wisconsin has guys that can shoot. They're, they're just going to need to be on. And if they're on, they're great. And, and Baylor doesn't rebound that well, which helps out for guys like Michael Potter and Nate Reavers who aren't as good of rebounders, but they got to get through North Carolina first and North Carolina is playing pretty good. I mean, they played pretty good basketball down the stretch. I mean, they had the weird thing against Marquette, which was such a mind fuck for me as a Marquette fan, but North Carolina has some bigs in uh, Sharp and Baycott who could really just make some, make some things happen. And Sharp and Baycott are going to are going to provide a lot of problems for that 
for that Wisconsin interior. So do you have any thoughts off the jump first thing about the Carolina Wisconsin matchup? I guess just this, um, which version of Nate Reavers is going to show up, you know, yeah. which version of Micah Potter is going to show up, um, which version of Brad Davidson is going to show up. I mean, I don't know. The Badgers don't hardly, they have no bad losses, but really no great wins. Right. Yep. So yeah, it's they've like, been not great. they've been good, not great. all Right. And I feel like North Carolina probably is going to have more talent, but Wisconsin has more leadership. Um, probably take the Badgers to win this game. Just, I think out of the fact that they have so many seniors and so much, so much experience that I think they find a way to, to finally hit enough shots. I do feel better about them offensively. The last couple of games, those two Iowa games were, they kept it really close. They had every chance to win. I mean, probably both those Iowa games and, you know, the Penn state game in game in between, um, you know, the offense was, was good, but they went on a drought again. And you know, that drought is coming. It comes, it comes at least once a game. I mean, for the Badgers right now, and if they can just somehow find a way to get some baskets and, and because the way they play, they're always going to be in games. And I think that they, you know, North Carolina is not really not a juggernaut. I mean, they're not the number one seeded North Carolina, like we're kind of used to seeing. Right. Um, but, you know, I think the Badgers have, have a chance to, and probably will get this game done on, uh, on Friday. Now I, after that, I don't know. I, I, I gotta disagree. I don't know. Carolina is just so big. Like their starting lineup, is 6'5", 6'10", 6'4", 6'8". And then Dayron Sharp's coming off the bench at 6'11". Walker Kessler, who a lot of people like, he's not playing a ton. He's a freshman. He's 7'1". I mean, they have just so much size. And the only thing they don't have is experience. So you are right in that, that they, they do not necessarily have the experience it is just a super contrast of styles sort of thing. Like you have North Carolina, they're the quickest team in the ACC. They play, they play at the fastest pace in the ACC. Wisconsin plays at the slowest pace in, in the big 10. Uh, the turnover percentage Carolina turns the ball over 21 times a game. Like, and Wisconsin doesn't turn the ball over at all. They, they, they don't. And they don't really force turnovers either though. So there, there's that part of it, but they're also just monsters on the offensive glass. They are the best team in the offensive rebounding percentage. And that's somewhere where Wisconsin really struggles at, and they can't really, they're not really the guys who you expect to get the rebound offensive rebounding percentage, which could be a real issue for them. So it's just going to be a, it's going to really come down to, which style wins out. And, and then the bigger question of how good has the ACC been this year? And I, I would say it's not been great. And so does the big 10 kind of flex its muscles. They had the most seeds. It was the best conference all year. Do we see the big 10 and this can kind of now transition out of Wisconsin. Do we see the big 10 as this juggernaut and, and someone comes out of the big 10 and wins the title for the first time in 20 years, or, does the fact that they played against the top competition all year 
lead them to a massive amount of fatigue. Yeah, that's the uh, the million dollar question. We saw it for years with the Big East when right. they were still the, the the you know the real Big East and always got nine or ten teams in and beat each other up all year long, and then got to the tournament and a lot of those teams, outside of like a couple UConn runs, you know, um, a lot of those teams really fell short. I guess he had a couple. Was that probably when Syracuse was still in there, where they were like a yeah, 12 seed and went to the Sy- Final Four? Were they yeah, still Syracuse, the big, big East at that time? Uh, they might have been the ACC. I don't really. Syracuse is a tough one. Yeah. I'll 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 give that to you here in a second. But the um, fun, but it, it, it's just, we'll see. That's I mean, and it's it's I think it weighs heavier than it has in years past, right? Because there were so few non-conference games where we don't necessarily have that view into the non-conference world. So if we're looking at the southern region, the south region where the Badgers are playing, there's Baylor, who's obviously the premier, the creme, creme de la creme. Can Scott Drew, this Baylor team has been incredible. They've only lost twice all year, once to Oklahoma State, once to Kansas. They play a great zone. Jared Butler is a hell of a player, probably should have been Big 12 player of the year. They gave it to Kate Cunningham. And I, I think that Baylor is going to be a pick that – what would you say if you had to rank Baylor, Ohio State, Arkansas, and Purdue? So those are your top four seeds. What, do you, what would you percentage out for how, how many brackets have Baylor in the final four? So, like, would it be 20%? Would it be closer to 40%? How chalky do you think Baylor will be for the people? Um, I don't know. I feel like Baylor has kind of people have soured on Baylor a little bit. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I think that they've had some COVID issues on and off, um, this season. And uh, I still say it's probably 50%, maybe 40 to 50%. Yeah. Because I mean, Ohio state has actually had a lot of national games. So a lot of people might be on them and Ohio state looks pretty good. They can't seem to um, recently uh, get over the hump in some of those games, but they're playing really tight games um, all the way through. And Ohio State's nice with uh, Dwayne Washington, that EJ EJ Liddell kid. Yeah, is kind of a stud. Yeah. Um, Ohio uh, State's they're they're tough. They're tough. I, I think you're gonna see uh, that's the zag, right? The 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 zag is Ohio State as your final four to say, all right, I want to be different because people have Gonzaga and Baylor going all the way. There are people who feel, and I don't know if I'm there yet. We'll see as I kind of move through the bracket that feel like Gonzaga and Baylor are just far and away better than everybody else. And it's similar to like the 2005 tournament where it ended up being North Carolina and Illinois at the end. And it was always going to be North Carolina and Illinois at the end. And they were head and shoulders above everybody else. So do you buy into that? Yeah. I don't know. Um, and the zag would be Ohio State. I think there might be some that mm-hmm. really like Arkansas. I think Arkansas plays a really fun brand of basketball. They are a team you can get behind. They're a team you you would like to ride. But like that Colgate game at the start, like I'm not saying they're going to lose to Colgate, but Colgate's good. And Colgate could give Arkansas some, some trouble early. And then either Utah State or Texas Tech, it's a complete contrast to styles from Arkansas. I, it will, 
I would probably bet my bottom dollar. I'd have Baylor Arkansas as my elite eight, but I, I do think that Arkansas is a team that a lot of people will get behind just because they're a fun team. Yeah. And Purdue, you know, Purdue has not had that Purdue, much tournament suggest right. They've got to the Elite Eight. They've got Sweet 16. They do have the advantage of playing kind of in their home home state. And yeah, will that will that help? Will they have more fans because of it? I don't know. I I think that Winthrop over Villanova will be a very, very trendy upset. Um, I think oh, there'll yeah. be a lot of people on Winthrop. Um and I think like all the five seeds are vulnerable. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably the trendiest upset of that, of that group. Um, but we don't need to run through every game. It, moving to the Midwest. So I'll kind of ask you the same question, you know, the, so you have Illinois, you have Houston, you have West Virginia and Oklahoma state as your top four seeds. Biggest thing that stood out there was West Virginia, Oklahoma State just beat West Virginia twice. And and how how are they not the three seed? I think that's the first big beef in this thing is like, where the fuck? Why did West Virginia, West Virginia did play a really tough non-conference schedule. So maybe that's why. But Oklahoma State has the most quad one wins of anyone. So it's a really weird move. And this like if you had to like give this bracket this section a name you would say it's kind of the the made for tv bracket because you get the illinois illinois uh loyola matchup in the first second round potentially and you also get the illinois ao DeSumo versus Cade cuttingham matchup in in the sweet 16 if things go chalk and those are perfect yeah. mat those are awesome matchups but what would you say? Plus you how- have you have San Diego State, who's a, a good team. Yeah. Um, Houston is, you know, an athletic bunch, um, physical defensively. You know that type of, you know, they're uh, they're they're very much a, a good team to watch. Um, I, West I, Virginia is always athletic and and kind of good tournament team. Yeah, I mean West Virginia. It'd be fun to get. West Virginia, Syracuse in the second round. That's an old Big East rivalry. That's an old rivalry between the two schools. Um, I'll tell you, if Houston, if Houston had a better 7-10 game, like Rutgers Clemson's fucking gross. Like put that game 11 a.m. early. Like let's get Rutgers and Clemson out of our hair early, or it's like a very late game when we're all drunk and we don't care. Like that's where Rutgers Clemson needs to be. But if they, if Houston was playing Connecticut in the second round or Oregon in the second round, or maybe even Florida, I would probably take the lower seed there. I just, the American conference is trash. Little, one of the worst conferences. I can't believe uh, Wichita State got in because I just, the Americans bad. Like you look at that conference and you're like, who's good in this conference besides Houston? And so I, I do wonder did Houston get inflated by playing in that kind of dog and pony conference. And I, I don't have Houston going any farther than like a sweet 16 bid, but I, I think that everybody, everybody likes Illinois out of that bracket. And the, the zag I think there would be to go with like Oklahoma state, right? Like that would be the, yeah. everybody jumping on the Cade Cunningham, Oklahoma state fun team, young team, but 
could they easily lose to Liberty in the first round? Yeah. Could they lose to Tennessee, who is not necessarily sexy? They play a slow style basketball, but they have two two guys who are are top fifteen projected NBA draft picks. Yeah, they certainly right. could. And Tennessee at one point was looking like one of like a number one seed. Now they've fall, fallen off, but they've been, you know, they they had a decent run and they pushed Alabama to the brink um, on Saturday. So I'm, I, I I think that I would caution people. I love Oklahoma State. I loved them in the. This is just not a good draw. And I think sometimes we get into that where we like say, all right, I love this team. And then the draw comes out and the draw sucks. Like that's not a good draw for Oklahoma state. It just isn't not. And it's a shame. They're not, it's a shame. They're not the three seed. Yeah. They should. I think, I think they would be a, a, you know, trendy zag on on the final four. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just don't see Illinois. I just don't see Illinois not coming out of it. I don't either. I, I love this Illinois team. I really do. I they're great. I they are and and they are they're just so much fun. They are so much fun to watch. Uh Desumo is just so cool. Like he there's just a lot of Kemba Walker. Like uh Titus and Tay always talk about Kemba candidates, right? And what they mean by a Kemba candidate is somebody who can just take over the tournament and just completely mm-hmm. go on a run. And AO definitely can do that. And then Kofi Cockburn is like the most old school big man that I've seen in a long time and just is such a monster inside. Now a lot of teams can compete with him inside. He's just too big. And I think like Andre Curbelo is the X factor. Dude's awesome. That dude is is just completely fearless. And I've been very, very impressed with that guy. All with all the Illinois basketball I've been watching the last couple of weeks. He's just – he's good, and Trent Frazier is good. Yeah. Um, they got a couple of nice guys off the bench. Um, Georgie. Uh, yeah, Georgie. John Vili, however you say his name. Yeah. And then uh, what's – a little or something? The, the black guy with the with the blonde dreadlocks. Oh, uh, yeah. He's a uh, he's nice little energy guy off the bench. I mean, Illinois is – I mean, I've got them going places. I'll just say that. Yeah, man. And, and look, it's one of those things where it, they, the only thing that concerns you a little bit about Illinois is they are, they don't play a lot of guys. Like they play a very short, they're not deep. And so if getting some foul trouble, they're deep in terms of who can like carry them, but they're not deep in the fact of they get into foul trouble. It it gets concerning, but they can close better. They can close better than any, like, the way they closed Ohio state today was really impressive. They did that twice. I mean, Ohio state was leading in the regular season and they came back and closed it out. They've basically had one loss in that in the last month. And that was to Michigan state. You could argue there's no one hotter than Illinois besides Gonzaga and obviously Gonzaga is undefeated. So, but Illinois is red hot. I do think what probably 75% of brackets will have Illinois going out of that out of that region? Yeah, probably just because of, you know, you know, you, you laid it out pretty good against Houston and yeah, um, just t- their lack of competition. And, you know, I think a lot of people in Illinois are bummed that that Loyola Illinois game is projected to happen in the second round. Yeah. Um, 
Although Georgia Tech, I mean. Oh yeah, I, I don't know. I'll, this would I. This is another advice. If like there are like hyped, and we'll get to LSU in a second here. If there are like hyped games in the second round, hypothetical hyped games, that's where you just fucking take the other side. Like I'll take Georgia Tech, and I like. I have no real feel for it. I actually really like this loyal team. They were a team that I thought I could take kind of far in this thing. And now I, again, same as the Oklahoma state thing. It's a bad, it's a bad seed line. They got fucked. They should have definitely been a seven or a six and they got an eight and, and everybody's going to probably be on Loyola. So that's where you just take right. charge attack. And because Loyola is like, they're a public team because of their, their run a couple of years ago, I think that casuals are going to be like, oh, Loyola, cool. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pencil that one and then they'll, then they'll, you know, take Illinois in the second round. But, right. Um, Georgia Tech is, you know, just to get that extra point under your belt might be something to, might be something to watch. No doubt. So moving over to the East, you have Michigan as the top seed with Alabama, Texas, Florida State. Probably my favorite region. All those teams, I think, could make the Final Four. Michigan pl- yeah. playing a little wounded right now. I love Alabama. I've loved Alabama really all year. Just the way they play is such a new – it's sort of the new new normal, right? Like the three-pointers and Nate Oates, gets, Nate Oates gets mad at his guys for taking mid-range jumpers from w- Watertown, Wisconsin. Played at a Baptist school mm-hmm. in Watertown that I never fucking heard of. I, Maranatha Baptist, baby. I saw that. So do you know that? Do you know that school – I do. Um, wow. Uh, one of my one of my colleagues, Mike McGivern, his his son played there. No shit. Yeah. Wow. And his what, son's about his son's about our age. So what, con- what um, conference are they in? I have absolutely no. I I don't even know if it's. Oh my god. That's let me look that up because I. That's oh I my mean, god. That's crazy. So yeah, Nate Oates was Wisconsin guy, coached at Whitewater for a couple of years. His Wikipedia page is a fascinating read. Because our, our guy Murph, uh, was, we were talking at the bar yesterday about Nate Oates, and he's like, so this guy has no ties to Wisconsin or Marquette. I was like, no, he, he has none. I mean, he graduated with a master's in science from the University of Wisconsin, but he never coached there. And coached at the Baptist school for a little bit, then was an assistant at Whitewater, then was a high school coach in Detroit for nine years was awesome there, obviously, not a surprise. And he was, and Dan Hurley was, or not Dan Hurley, Bobby, wrong Hurley. Bobby was recruiting some kids to go play for Buffalo, was so impressed by Nate Oates that he brought Nate Oates onto his staff and the rest is history. Crazy ass story. It is. That's, that's quite a, uh, quite a career, quite a career journey. Totally. Just shows you, man. You never know where life. Some of these life... coaches, man. Some of these guys, like Nick Nurse and stuff. I mean, oh yeah, you got to respect them because they are coaching in freaking England, and you know, just just the love of the game is is incredible. And like they're and they're significant others that they can put up with that shit, and they can be like, all oh, right, yeah. hey, we're moving to another city because I got a job, and like you're just never you're never in a place at the same time. Like, it's crazy. But as for other teams, I mean, Texas, I don't know how trendy Texas will be. I Texas has some dudes, but man, Texas had a lot of lucky games this year where it felt like they they just sort of sneak, snaked their way out of a, into a victory. 
So I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about that. I kind of like their draw. Um, Florida State is is they're a bunch of big boys. Scotty Barnes is maybe a top five pick, but they have some turnover problems. You saw it against Georgia Tech. They turned the ball over what 25 times in that game. I mean, that that just makes you nervous. They they do have a nice draw though. I mean, Georgetown, Colorado. Georgetown's gonna be a really sexy pick at 12. That might be yeah, the sexiest 12. I'm not doing that one. No, I'm not doing. I'm not that's, doing Georgetown. That's an, that's another pivot. The other pivot is taking St. Bonaventures over LSU. I think a lot of people will take LSU. Some people might take LSU to beat Michigan because LSU can oh match. My God. I, look, I know. I'm just saying. I I won't. You won't find me doing that. But I just want to say something quick on Florida State. I mean, yeah. I feel like they're a team that I always I always have big plans for. Yeah. Uh, I think I've gotten burned in the past because they're – Florida State's just one of those teams that I feel like talent-wise can me- measure up with just about anybody. Right. It, it is just a matter a lot of times of of coaching and, you know, inexperience with them a lot. They, they just have, they have a ton of talent a lot, but they can't, they can't seem to, you know, go deeper than the Sweet 16. Um, so, but like I said, they're, they're just, they're tempting to, to, to ride, but I feel like I get burned on them a lot. Well, and then that the hilarious kind of irony of it all is like they what in oh yeah, the, in twenty eighteen they were a nine seed. They beat Missouri in the first round and then they stun Xavier and Gonzaga and they get to the Elite Eight where they played Michigan and lost um in a in a hard fought game. So we could get a rematch of that, which would be good to see. But yeah, I mean that's true, but yeah, Florida State was in the Elite Eight in 18, and they were in the Sweet 16 in in 2019. So they've they've been a little bit better, but you're right. They used to have that where they, it seemed like they would always lose in that second round. They lost to Xavier as a, as a three seed in 2017. Um, I think they lost one year, lost to Valparaiso as – oh, that was an NIT. I was like, oh, Valparaiso, that's a bad loss. But no, um, so yeah, Florida State does have a little bit of that makeup. But yeah, Georgetown is going to be so fucking sexy. I mean, that that is the sexiest. I think there's going to be a lot of people who will get Connecticut into like the Sweet 16 or something, beat Alabama. Um, I know Connecticut just has this weird, like almost like St. Louis Cardinal devil magic to them, right? Like it's like, oh, it's yeah. March. So they have to... Like, uh, like I was, I was, I was handicapping on Friday night. It was like, all right, Creighton and UConn is pretty evenly matched. The spread was like one and a half to Creighton. And I was like, ah, you just got to take UConn because it's at Madison Square Garden on a, on a Friday night in March. Like it's a no brainer. Now they lost. So who knows? And maybe that's a lesson that like, this isn't your older brother's UConn team. Like, I don't think, uh, this is Dan, Dan Hurley. Too many Hurleys, man. I don't think Dan Hurley's as good of a coach as Jim Calhoun is by a long shot. And yeah. and so I I do like them over Maryland a lot, though. I think that's – Maryland's not good. Um, being all right matchup, though, but I don't think Maryland's good. And Rick Pitino's Maryland's back. only like, what, three games above 500 or something yeah, like that? I, yeah, Maryland's another team that I'm kind of like, really? 
we thought we thought Maryland deserved to be in. I mean, I guess playing a good conference, but that's like that's such a Big Ten, Big Ten sort of love because of big, how big good Ten bias. Yeah, a little Big Ten bias. And then lastly, rounding it out, um, we have Gonzaga's bracket, which I mean, it's a, it's it's how it should be. Like I think sometimes the committee forgets that like if you're the number one overall seed, you really should have the easiest bracket. That's, I think, fair. I think that's how it should work. And I think they did their the job there. I I hate Iowa as a two seed. I love Oregon to the Sweet 16. I, I'll already tell you I have Oregon in the Sweet 16. I like this Oregon team a lot. You have two teams with COVID issues in Kansas and Virginia. Gonzaga has beat both Iowa, Kansas, and Virginia already this year. Creighton has God knows what's going on. And they got to ship pumped by Georgetown. So, and I think there'll be people who like UC Santa Barbara and that, the Gauchos. Um, yeah, USC is is fun. But I, again, I don't know. If Kansas has most of their guys, I think Kansas will be all right. So what, what stands out to you in that bracket besides it being pretty easy for Gonzaga? I mean, I'm down to ride Oregon with you. Um yeah, let's do it. They they got they got bounced a little early in the uh, to their rivals in the Pac-12 tournament. They can't but, Colorado. Uh, Colorado's a terrible matchup for them. They, I mean, you look at those three games. They've lost they lost to Colorado three times this year. Colorado just was a bad matchup for them, and it happens. Yeah, but they I mean they have some guys to like for sure. Oh yeah, uh, Chris Duarte. Duarte is great. the main the main guy there that you're gonna want to. You're going to want to see. Um, yeah, it's interesting that, you know, Virginia and Kansas, will will both those teams uh, be, be able to play? I mean, those are the, the two notable teams that had to bow out of uh, conference tournament play, the two two teams that, you know, I wonder what went into those decisions. Just one of those things where it's like, well, rather than play with six guys, you know, we're going to just bow out and, and not, not, put more blemishes on our tournament resume and just try to, is that kind of how that works? Is that, uh, is that fair to, for them to do that? I, I, well, I think yes, in part, but I think it's this where, and I hate this term because it's overused in our society today, but it's an abundance out of caution because not because of COVID because they don't want more cases to start popping up and then they're out of the tournament. And so they're like, all right, let's go quarantine. Let's go make sure that all our guys are okay. If player X or staff member Y has COVID, we keep them away from the team and everybody else is good. We're good to play in Indianapolis. And there we go. So that's why I think they did it more than anything else is to kind of contain that COVID spread and not necessarily only playing with six guys. I I don't think it's that, but I mean, it helps, right? Like, if Virginia was down to only like five guys because of contract tracing, would they have lost to Georgia Tech? Probably. Georgia Tech would have beat them. And I don't know, maybe that would affect their seed line. Maybe it won't. I mean, it. I don't think that the committee did a great job with the COVID stuff because you look at like a team like Florida or Virginia Tech who had a lot of COVID pauses and they didn't really get punished for it. They're playing each other. I mean, right. Uh, but a team like St. Louis or Louisville who got left out both had significant COVID pauses throughout the year. And it almost feels like that was 
what did them in because they didn't get to play as many games as some other teams. And I don't know if that's fair. And it's hard. It's an impossible thing to deal with this year, but I don't really feel like they had a regimented process for it. If that makes sense. Yeah, there's, it's, you know, it's not necessarily fair to punish teams for not, you know, taking care of their COVID business, but I don't know, maybe it is because, you know, in a pandemic, you're, um, you're playing the game on the court and off the court, basically, especially coming into this tournament this week where it's going to be uh, a nightmare for players. Um, you got Oklahoma, Missouri. That's a, that's a football game. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. You, that, so you, you, you don't like Iowa, huh? No. I mean, no. I do don't. you think, do you think they lose in the first round? Uh, Grand Canyon's Grand Canyon's good. Like Grant, I'm not saying like they're like good enough to win. Picking a 15 to beat a two is is pretty risky. It is. You could if you really think like I was losing the next round anyways, and you're like, hey, fuck it. I mean, yeah. I would it be like outrageous to take like a money line flyer on Grand Canyon? I don't think so. Um, I just think that. I Fran McCaffrey just has not been a good tournament coach, first of all. And second of all, they just don't have the defense. You saw it against Illinois, right? Like, had they mm-hmm. had they kept it close against Illinois, and even if they hadn't won, if they say it was like down to the final possession, they didn't win, but it was close. I would have given Iowa another look to say, all right, maybe they are a little bit better than I think they are, but I just I, I've this. I've seen this story before, right? I, I mean, the trendy. I don't know if they'll really will be a trendy team, though. I think Gonzaga is the trendy team. Like, I don't think there is like a alternative move somebody could make. Kansas might be it because they were hot down the stretch, and Bill Self, better tournament coach than Mark Few, probably. If you if you really play it out, but there isn't that. There really isn't that thing there. Um, it'll be also interesting. I think we've had what, I don't know if it's been every year, um, that we've had a playing team win this next weekend. I, you know, us, USC, I think has it made against either Wichita state or Drake. I, I think both teams are, are kind of trash. Drake, not trash because of what they, they are now. They just had injuries. Wichita state, I think, again, going back to my point about Houston, just they, and oh, we didn't talk about this. And this will be our last thing because we got to probably get to our other stuff. How hilarious is it that conveniently one of the first four games is Michigan State and UCLA? Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, it was going to be, if it wasn't one of those teams, it was going to be Duke. Right. So. Right. Exactly. And, and like, oh, Michigan State, Louisville would have still drove asses in the seats or you, you, Louisville, UCLA. Like, it, just so fucking convenient of of the committee to just be like, all right, we don't want Utah, Utah State. Who is the other eleven? Utah State and Syracuse. Utah State and Syracuse. That won't that won't bring asses into the seats. No one gives a fuck about that. But Michigan State, UCLA, like that rating will be huge because it's a standalone game. <sighs> just you gotta yeah. love it, man. They could have they could have gone with Syracuse in there because all the all the big yeah. days. Oh yeah, Syracuse. Syracuse yeah, that, Michigan that would do State, Syracuse, Syracuse, UCLA would have played too, but so be it. Um, do you have a 
if if I if you had to submit a bracket at this very moment, who would be your final four? Do you have that? Uh, not necessarily. I would probably have Gonzaga and Illinois in there for sure. Yeah, I think you can lock that in. Um, I'm dude. I'm oof. I may go Ohio State. Okay, out of the South. Um, because they're gonna have a little bit of that home home court advantage to some extent. Um, just being nearby Indiana, mm-hmm. um, maybe out of the East. Uh, Michigan is pretty good, but man, I don't know. John Howard is in his kind of in his first first year. Serious yeah. expectations, right? You know, right. so it's like, um, but I just I don't know if I trust anyone else in that in that region. So I'd probably say Michigan. Wow, three Big Ten teams, Big Ten Mitch. That's mm-hmm. what they call. That's what the kids are calling you, Big Ten Mitch. Um, I will say at this point, I would say Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and Alabama. And you can call me Chalky Chuck because I have three one seeds and a two. Um, so there we go. Um, but we we must move on. We have other things to talk about. It's going to be fun. Like I said. We have a bracket pool. It'll be linked everywhere during the week. Sign up. Uh, good luck. Cash prize. It's completely free. So you don't, you guys don't owe me shit. Um, I'll pay you. That's, that's what we'll do. Just have a Venmo account. And that makes my life easy. And if you don't have a Venmo account, I do have PayPal as well, which I think if you don't have PayPal or Venmo, I guess I can mail you a fucking check like a fucking 70 year old, but I, I would prefer not to. But uh, <laughs> we'll be we'll be covering it all week. I've off. I'll be. I'm sure I'll be tweeting way too much, and just you know hanging out. Whether it be here, the Murphy Estate. Hopefully he's not on crutches. Shout out to him. Had himself a little Joel Embiid injury um, on Sunday. But we'll move on to the Green Bay Packers, who, as Mitch noted in the open, cocked the Milwaukee Bucks with signing Aaron Jones. It was basically a repeat of what happened with Sam Shields years ago with Drew Rosenhaus, where it seemed like Sam Shields was good as gone. And then at the last minute, they got a deal done for Sam Shields. Same thing happens here. Packers give Aaron Jones a four-year, $48 million deal. Um, only 13 of that is guaranteed. That's less guaranteed money than Alvin Kamara or Delvin Cook or Ezekiel Elliott. So in a lot of ways, I don't know if Packer fans have anything to complain about. I will now ask you what I brought up in my review on our socials, SnowTapWI on both, as well as in a podcast last week. Does, does this mean they might be thinking about moving on from Aaron Rodgers? That would be my first question, right? Is, it, is this like the beginning of the end because Jordan Love will need a couple competent running backs, or am I overthinking that? Well, it's still a little little too soon to know for sure on that, but um, right. it 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 does kind of seem like it, you know. Right? I feel like the or- the organization hasn't done anything to make me think otherwise at this point. Um, yeah, and and you're right. Jordan Love is going to need. Wow, that's crazy to think about. Um, oh, I know. It's not to just fun. to just sort of to just prepare, you know. 
to just be preparing for two years down the road or three years. Yeah, it'd be what, two years down the road, two more seasons? Or just yeah. one? For sure. One one for sure with Rodgers, right? And then it's... Yeah, one for sure, and then they can make a move after next year. And that's the whole reason why... That's the whole reason why people are thinking, you know, might be the end and why Rodgers was frustrated and everything like that. Gotta love Drew Rosenhaus saying, we anticipated bigger offers in free agency, but Aaron wanted to stay with the Packers. That's that's yeah, a good agent. That. That's a that is a good agent. That is exactly exactly what an agent should do. So um gotta love that. But Which you don't yeah. expect that out of Drew Rosenhaus. No, never Drew. No, Drew, Drew, the snake oil salesman himself. So yeah, I I think the combination of Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon is a dynamic one. I think Dillon gives yeah. you so much more than Jamal Williams. I think the Packers, and maybe this is part of the reasons Jones decided to be with them, is they knew how to manage his his carries. They were really good about that. And I know people wanted Aaron Jones to be a workhorse, but he's not, that's just not his body type. His body type is not built for 25 carries or 30 carries. And maybe he feared that like his career could be cut short in, if he played at a place like, I don't know, let's just pull the Dolphins. Miami. Yeah. Who have yeah. rumored or the San Francisco 49ers. And all of a sudden it's like, he's like, I'm getting, I'm touching the ball 30 times. This is awesome but my knees are fucking wrecked and by year two, I'm done. And so I, I think it's also important that Jones stayed out of the NFC. Like we didn't, they didn't let him go to Tampa Bay. They didn't let him go to, to, to Miami or well, not Miami, sorry, uh, San Francisco. Um, you know, that, that would have been catastrophic and that trying to calm down Packer fans would have been crazy. And I don't think Aaron Jones took like a new deal. I think this is the deal that's been out there for him for a long time. And he was like, you know what? I don't want to deal with free agency. I'm fine. It's a weird free agency. We're not, you know, you're not really getting courted. You're not really getting wined and dined here in a pandemic. It's all over zoom. Why not just go back and, and run it yeah. back with the Packers as he says. And I, I'm, I do think that, yeah, this keeps that Super Bowl window if Rodgers gets restructured. And that's the next step is like what happens with Aaron Rodgers and Zadarius Smith? Some people are speculating. I know Silverstein reported already that the way to make this happen is to give Silverstein, or I'm sorry, give Zadarius Smith a extension. So that'll likely happen. That'll likely be coming down the pipelines. And then is it Aaron Rodgers? If it isn't Aaron Rodgers and it's like Devontae Adams, let's say, then what we talked about at the open about, is this like a prelude? Then that becomes a little more fucking real. And then we have to kind of bunker down because it will get, that will get ugly. It will be a topic of conversation for the entire summer. And who the hell knows what, what could come from that. Yeah. I've, I've said in this podcast before going back to Aaron Jones about, not paying backs, but now that I see that it's only $13 million guaranteed, I think that's one of those where you could probably get out of it, you know, after what, two years? Yeah. And if you had to, I don't necessarily anticipate that. I think that Aaron Jones has, he probably realized that Green Bay is probably the best spot for him. You know, they've, they've turned him into a star player and um, from what, a fifth round pick? And, you know, 
I think he's just, he chose to stay loyal and um, it's, uh, that's becoming a theme around here, Charlie, uh, with, with our athletes in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah. But I, I just it, like it just to keep a weapon like that. Um, it really stings. I think we talked about it last week, just it, how much it would sting to, to let a 1500 yard, you know, weapon walk out the door. And uh, this is a guy that uh, obviously is a key, a key part of the offense and Lafleur knows how to use him and maximize his, his talents. And, and they sort of had, had the magic elixir with, um, with his touches and just sort of, you know, bringing him along and making sure he's fresh and has, um, you know, his full arsenal for, for as long as possible every season. Yeah, no question. And, uh, you know, Rob Domofsky kind of noted that a trusted agent who's predicted uh, average per years, free agents for years, Tab Jones at $9 million. But he said, if the deal's backloaded with easy ways to get out after, per what you've just said, is say two years, then the risk is reasonable. And I think that's exactly what the Packers are going to do. They'll backload the deal. They'll have an out in year two where they can say, all right, we're 28. We need to now move on because you just have slowed down. And the other thing with Jones is he's only 26. So Jones looks at it as like, yeah, I could probably get paid one more time at 30, even though that's always a mistake to pay a running back in their 30s. But also, too, the Packers are looking at like, yeah, the regression isn't going to come right away. And that that's really important for what green Bay wants to do in the future. And they're better off for it. I think AJ Dillon probably has to be a little bummed that he's not going to get the rock, but I think Lafleur and Gutekust and whoever else had to sell this to Aaron Jones and said, look, you're still our guy. We want you to be the main focus. And whether they reworked the deal recently and brought and kind of renegotiated because they, you know, it seemed like it was done. Like it seemed like they were going their separate ways. And I don't know what solved it where they're like, Hey, we want you here. And we know the quickest way for us to get back, get back to the Super Bowl is with you in our backfield and not going with AJ Dillon or another rookie running back. Cause that I, as much as I was okay with that and I was perfectly fine with drafting a guy like Travis Etienne, let's just say, um, I, I know that out, you, that's a lot of inexperience with a guy like Aaron Rodgers, and that could really frustrate him and really make things difficult, especially with pass blocking from that running back position. What happens if they do still take, still take Travis Etienne in the first round? Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, they would, wouldn't, but if they wouldn't, it would just be a, I mean, like, let's just use like Michael Carter from North Carolina, who's like second mm-hmm. or third rounder, maybe even a fourth rounder. If they drafted like him, I would just say, well, they're just adding to their arsenal and they're just giving more weapons to Aaron Rodgers. It's just not conventional weapons. So, like, you know, there's rumors that they were kind of – well, they, there was no rumors this time around. And I did the connecting of the dots on my own on podcast and blog with Zach Ertz, right? And they were interested in Zach Ertz last fall. And they talked – they asked about Zach Ertz. Then he went on IR and whatever. The Eagles, it doesn't sound like they're going to release him, but Ertz is getting frustrated because he's like, I just want to go. Like, you guys want me gone, I get it. But I just, you know, I want to choose my team. And the Eagles are like, eh, not so fast. So if the Packers do get themselves involved in that sweepstakes, 
you know, that gives Aaron Rodgers another weapon, but it's not another wide receiver. So it's that unconventional weapon sort of thing that I think Packer fans need to do a better job being like, oh yeah, he has this guy, he has this guy, this guy. And just because he doesn't have WR next to his name doesn't mean it's it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, it's just sort of one one less thing to worry about though uh, yeah. in the off season for the Green Bay Packers, and now they, you know, it's just it's it's going to be good to have him back, um, right? For sure, and and it seems like a seems like a fair deal, and you know, a, a good dude gets gets his money, and he gets to stay with the team that has drafted him, and it's just an all-around, uh, I think, good situation. And it also means Corey Lindsley, see ya. Not that we, yeah. on this podcast, expected Corey Lindsley to be back, but I'm pretty, this makes it official. Unless Lindsay's willing to take some small deal, but I doubt that, because I think, you know, teams with big pocketbooks are going to pay, and he's going to make a lot of money. He deserves that. Yeah, he's, so, going, he's going to Jacksonville. Like, oh, yeah. I think, like you said last week. Yeah, it's lock. Lock it in. I, I would love to wager on it. I don't think I can because no one's betting on centers and their landing spots. That would be true degeneracy. That would be like you got a you got a problem here. But it would it would win win the bet. So, anyways, um, moving on and wrapping up with our Milwaukee Bucks. So the Bucks eh, a little close for comfort against Washington. Um, you know, Bradley Beal was out with the injury kind of hoped, you know, maybe this would be sort of a blowout. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be much of a game yet. It was a tough defensive night for the bucks. They struggled um, in that category, especially against Russell Westbrook who tore up the bucks for a triple double made five threes, which that happens once every blue moon. Um, And, but the bucks closed it out again and a couple podcasts ago last two weeks ago before the all-star break, I said this after the Memphis game, like keep having these games where you got to close it out and it's going to pay off in spades come playoff time. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Even if it made me want to pull my hair out at certain points last night at the bar. Yeah. Um, your supporting cast around Giannis wasn't, wasn't great. Nope. Um, you know, Drew holiday, six for 18, Chris Middleton, three for 12. Nine for nine from the line, though, for middle. Yep. Uh, yeah, he had some big free. Cry. He had some big free throws down the stretch. I mean, that was that was basically, and he had a big defensive play. So Middleton had some moments yesterday, but yeah, it was um, it was not necessarily the best best Chris Middleton game offensively. But he did the little things, which is fine. But and now you yeah. get re- and now you get ready for a week where you play Philadelphia on Wednesday and the game that we were hyped up about last week has like no meaning now. I mean, it still matters because Philly's a top team in the East and you want to win those games in case tiebreakers come down to it, but there's no Joel Embiid. So you can't really get a good gauge on how the Bucks should do against Philly because Embiid's not there. And I know they're still winning without him. They beat, uh, they beat Chicago. They beat San Antonio tonight. Um, but still it's, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. Is there anything we can take away or is it just kind of a meaning, another regular season basketball game for the Bucks? Um, I mean, I'd always like, I always like to beat Philly, obviously. Yes, um, people know if people that listen to this podcast for the last year, year and a half, maybe more, we know that you, no one hates Philadelphia more than you. 
in the state of Wisconsin. Right, but it, it won't be it won't be the same without Embiid. Um, yeah, for sure. I think that you know Embiid would 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 have guarded Giannis, and you know it would have been catnip for the uh, for the MVP discussion. Oh yeah, I think um, as Giannis is as we've said is coming for that MVP ass. And uh, another triple double on Saturday as well. Yeah, uh, two in a row, I believe, since the, since the All Star break. Um, so that would have been, you know, a big one on first take or something that coming out of whoever won that one. But without Embiid, it does it does take some of the some of the steam out of the some of the wind out of that sail. But it's still it's still a big game. I, th- I think you wanna you wanna obviously keep pace as much as you can with the with the other. You know, it's really a three-horse race. I think in the East, that's starting to starting to really take shape. I know, I know, Miami's playing better. They're coming, they're coming pretty pretty fast and furious up up to the top half of the East. Um, and it's just jumbled after that. Yeah, um, Toronto can't Tor- Toronto can't seem to shake their COVID, and they got beat by Tony Snell on a game winner at the buzzer. That's right. Um, which was you know against the team that's they're they're competing for positioning with. Um, so it's looking like a three horse race. And I think that this is, you know, a game that, you know, again, probably doesn't have as much, uh, meaning, but you want to, you want to, it's a litmus test still. Yeah. And, and you know, that fucker Furkan Kormaz is going to at least have four or five threes against the box guaranteed. Like you could already oh, pencil, pencil that in. He's been hot too. He had, he had like 16 tonight. He had 18 against the wizards. So he's been playing, he's been playing good basketball. I do think that without Embiid, it's going to be a really tough matchup for the Sixers with Giannis because you go, all right, Ben Simmons has not as good as a year Ben Simmons has had, and he's probably the front runner for defensive player of the year at this point. He really has not done well against Giannis. Giannis is too big for him. Yeah. I mean, Giannis called him a fucking baby a couple of years ago. He'll do it again. And, and yeah, you have Holiday who will probably – you know, assign whether it be, you know, Seth Curry, probably Seth Curry, right. And shake Milton and those guys. And, and then you have Tobias and Chris Middleton, which I think is a great matchup for Middleton because they're about the same size, same stature. And I just think Middleton figure out without Embiid, how they're going to match up. Like Um, with the, against the bucks. Well, how the bucks are going to, because so oh, man, so do you, do you at, put Middleton on Simmons or on on Harris? I yeah, I don't know. Um, or, or, no, I wouldn't you put Giannis on Simmons? So if Simmons is going to go on the paint. Wouldn't that be a Giannis yeah, assignment? I feel yeah, like that's go. what you would go. So looking at the looking at what Philly started with today against the uh, Spurs, Tobias, Danny Green, Tony Bradley, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry. That was their five. Yep. And so Seth Curry probably gets Dante. M- yep. m- maybe Tobias Harris is a combination of Drew Holiday and and Chris Middleton. The other one will take Danny Danny Green. Tony Bradley will be assumed by Brooke. Tony Bradley, big dude. So is Dwight Howard. It's actually a very good Brooke Lopez matchup. So yeah. I don't I don't hate this from a Brooke Lopez perspective. And yeah. I, I think what's really going to be important is you don't let the other guys beat you. You don't let Cormans get hot. You don't let Shake Milton off the bench have have a moment. You don't let Mike Scott find his way into into a bunch of points. 
So I, I think that there are Sixers are beatable. I think the worst case scenario for the Bucks, more than anything else, would be if they lost by like ten plus to a Embiid less Sixers. Because then it'd be like, yeah. well, what would have happened with with Embiid? Would they have lost by twenty? Would they have lost by thirty? That would be a bad look. Um, so let's not have that happen. But other than that, if you lose to the Sixers, it's fine. You know, they're seventeen and three at home. They're fucking really good at home. Been one of the best mm-hmm. teams in the NBA. So I'm not gonna like go into this and be like, oh yeah, this is a must win for the Bucks. Uh, if they give a statement, cool. But the Bucks also shouldn't really puff their chest if they win by 25. Like they should not be puffing their chest on social or during the game because it it doesn't mean as much because <laughs> there's no Embiid. So just chill out. Right. If, it's, if it's and and that's like a note. So I think sometimes Bucks Twitter gets like way too into that stuff or like like they were like I saw some meme like that. NBA, the NBA world was discrediting Giannis's triple double and freaking out over Russ's. I'm like, I didn't see any of that. Like, that's just pandering for fucking engagement and likes when it's, I don't think that's true. Like, I think it was a normal ass night in the NBA. I don't think a lot of people were even caring about the NBA on a Saturday evening in the heart of March Madness. Just weren't, you know? It's why, yes, it's why ABC didn't have a game last night, right? It's why. Right why they don't have games like on national of NBA TV games. They don't, they don't have a lot of games going on right now. And, you know, the Pelicans and Clippers are playing, but yeah, this is the time for it's time for college hoops. And so, so I'm not going to say like people aren't giving Giannis the credit. Um, but yeah, I, I think that if they win and Giannis plays well, I think there'll be a lot of people who are like, Oh yeah, well now we need to see against them beat, which is totally fair. And I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna get my feathers ruffled about that. Let's just put it that way. But I do think some Bucks fans will. And don't look now, Charlie. Brooke Lopez is not looking totally unplayable at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't he know. May, he may have. He, he may. He may just have a little bump coming off the All Star break after a little rest. Maybe he goes back to his, you know, average self. But um, yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully he, you know. He was two for seven from three on Saturday night, which isn't great. But I know he hit. I think he must. He must have not made one after the first quarter then. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. He just he seems a little little rejuvenated, and yeah. hopefully that continues. Yeah, you love it, and you they go they come home then on Saturday to play the Spurs, and there will be more fans there. It'll be thirty two hundred. Yep. Um, and that'll be awesome, and more fans the merrier. Get them packed in. So, and that's a nice little break for the Bucks too. I mean, you go, you play Monday tonight, and then you play on Wednesday, and then you get a few days off before San Antonio on Saturday. Kind of shitty yeah. with the NCAA tournament. That makes life tough for us sports fans, but what are you going to It's all about balance. Yeah, it's, it's, it's overload for sure. But oh, yeah. we, are, we are glad to have everything. Oh, yeah, exactly. We didn't have it last year. And it's so good to be back. And maybe it was me in the moment, but there was just such good basketball really throughout the week. It was so much fun. I thought the conference tournaments were great. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens um, next week with the tournament. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about it here on the daily tap and you and I will probably get back in the booth Tuesday or later of next week, since the tournament goes into Monday. So We'll get yeah. back in and uh, talk then. 
We'll also be debuting our draft show with Nolan Murphy. It'll be part of Daily Tap, but we're going to start. We're going to work on that on Saturday. And so uh, Murph and I will look forward to doing that with you, with y'all. I think you guys are going to really dig that. That should be, should be a lot of fun as well. So excited to talk about the NFL draft as, as this is all going on and watch for potential guys who could maybe fit the Bucks roster. Cause I got my eyes out. You know, I was looking, I looked at a mock draft today and it was like drawn sharp from North Carolina was who they, the Bucks, they had the Bucks taking who's six eleven, just a big, big fucking dude. It's like, don't hate it. I also really liked Her- Herbert Jones from uh, Alabama. I just like the way he played 6'8". It's like, that's great. You know, Luca Garza, the Ennis Cantor comparison. Yeah, someone made that yesterday at the bar, and I was like, is that you or is that Murph? That was Nolan. Great. Oh, I mean, I think Twigs actually was the first one, and then, you know, it kind of grew. But that Ennis Cantor comparison is, is so perfect. I think Garza is a little bit bigger, but yeah, like Cantor's like six ten, like probably two sixty. Yeah, and Garza's Garza's a brick shit house. Um, Look, looks however, like. However, real quick, I, I was I was researching while we were talking about Iowa back back earlier in the podcast. Yeah, they Grand Canyon has a seven foot guy from Denmark, um, seven foot two seventy. So uh, somebody who can maybe maybe. Uh, Maybe bang Luka Garza around in that first round game. You never know. And coached by Bryce Drew. Keep an eye on. Coached by Bryce Drew, who you know had one of the most iconic buzzer beaters that are, that exists in March Madness. So oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe we just have to take Grand Canyon for the podcast. Like one of us needs to just suck it up and take Grand Canyon and see what happens. Lope, lopes up. Lopes up. Hashtag fake. Hashtag lopes up. Fake ass university. It's like a fucking, it's like one of those for profit schools. It's like Brian Stratton. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Stratton has a just a absolutely brutal commercial on these days. Have you seen that? Uh, no. Oh, it's terrible. It's just bad. It's just like, I just don't know what we're doing here. Um, but yeah, that'll uh, that'll do it for the show. Any uh, final thoughts for the people? Grand Canyon is a Christian private school in okay. Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Non-denominational, probably like Big Jack Easterby vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, damn. We'll see, and we'll see. And knowing knowing that we said that we didn't get jinxed by the podcast, Russell Wilson will probably get traded to the Bears tomorrow, and then we'll and then that will be the jinx. That'll be that'll be good times. La- real, real last thing. Travis Shaw, do you think he's going to be a brewer? They they expect to know tonight, so we might actually – that news might be out already. But do you expect Travis Shaw to be, make the major league team? I don't see why not. Yeah, I don't um, has he, as well. Has he been terrible in spring? I haven't really been no, paying that close attention. Right. He's been all right. I mean, I think everybody's just getting fired up about Garrett Mitchell, which, I mean, for good reason. He had, a, he had another hit today. Guy's awesome. Yeah. I mean. I saw he came in because your buddy Derek Fisher uh, got hurt. So he came yeah. in a little early. Had, a, had another hit. It's, uh, yeah. Garrett Mitchell's like, but the, the, he's not even on the 40, man. He's not making no. the team, guys. No. Just, just get it out of your head. Oh, yeah. Hardricourt says 
Hard Record and Rosiak say that Brewers face easy decision adding Travis Shaw to their 30-man, 40-man roster. So it doesn't seem like it, does, it seems like it's a done deal. Um, I think we'd be real surprised if Travis Shaw isn't a part of the, isn't a part of the Brewer roster uh, to start the year. Yep, he'll be there. Yeah, for sure. And we'll talk more baseball as we get closer and closer to opening day. All right, guys, take care of yourself. Have a good week. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll uh, we'll do the daily tap and whatever uh, whatever topics topics bring. I'm, I've been tempted to fill out half brackets as I'm going along, but. I think I might scrap that. I don't think anyone cares to hear me fill out a bracket. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good one. And we'll talk tomorrow. Peace. Peace.